Welcome to Shirt Factory Center Stage, a podcast recorded at the newest century-old hotspot, the Littit Shirt Factory. Join in as the relentlessly curious co-hosts Jim Hoffer and Kim Schaller shine a spotlight on the talented performers who will entertain and energize audiences from this very stage. It's quirky. It's fun. It's a behind-the-scenes listen that you won't want to miss. And now, here's Shirt Factory Center Stage. Hello, everyone. Kim. Hi. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Well, I'm pretty good because, you know, we have another first for uh, Lit It Shirt Factory Center Stage. This time, we have musical guests mm-hmm. to interview. We do. Which is really great. Oh, right? it's really great. Yeah, it's very exciting. Because we used to just interview each other in the early episodes. Right. Yeah, yeah. So this is really good. I got all really good. And I'm really excited about this group. It's, it's a trio. And they're, they're really big in the folk music scene in the Philadelphia area. Uh, they've got great harmonies. And this is kind of, for me, a moment, a big step toward my dream of bringing really live quality music to Lidditz through the Lidditz Shirt Factory. So why don't you... Well, first, when are they going to be at the Shirt Factory? I'm glad you asked. June 24th, 7 p.m. That's yeah. going to be awesome. Okay, and here's another course. We're actually Zooming this podcast. We have, we actually, I'm looking at these three very handsome faces on a screen right in front of me. So we have Hinton Bauer and Jones, or HBJ, um, and we're so excited that they're here. And we just had a little chance to talk before actually pushing the record button. And you're all in for a real treat. So let me just sit here. I want to just ask you, the three of you, this is your opportunity. You're going to be at the Shirt Factory. What can people expect when you come to perform? I'm definitely going to wear my my best shirt. <laughs> wow. no. I'm wearing one of my two shirts. Okay. okay. All right. Well, then I'm, I'm going to have a cover charge if that's the best thing. <laughs> Beyond that. You're going to have a chance to relax, close your eyes, and be transported to a simpler time of melody, harmony, and joy. Can we say a specific genre? Is that fair? I don't I don't want to, you know, put you guys in a box, but it's folk, right? Folk Americana. That's what you guys do. It's pretty straightforward folk Americana. Harmony harmony and melody driven. You should probably know we're folky fellas singing sweetly. I like that. I like that. And let me ask you, does that happen that much anymore? I mean you know, I know we were talking earlier before before we started here, and I, I'm curious. I know that back in its day, Philadelphia had this really robust, thriving folk music scene. And I'm wondering if that still exists or is it waning? You know, the past two years, it seems like everything is waning with everything that we're dealing with. It, it's really hard to get an idea of what the music scene is really going to look like when everything kind of comes back. I'm curious, to be honest, to see how many musicians just really had to give up the craft altogether uh, just to find work and support their families and whatnot. Uh, You know, before all of this, I knew um, a lot of my musician friends, including Brad and Daniel and a number of other ones, would work very, very hard to put food on the table for their families. And some of that was teaching 50 hours a week and then playing, you know, 15, 20 hours of gigs a week. And all of that kind of dried up for people in an instant. So I'm wondering how many people really are going to make it through to the other side of this in that respect. 
I, it's just, it's, it's hard to say. And, but, but even before that, yeah, I mean, I do do a little bit of booking for, for things downtown and there wasn't any acts as kind of traditional as what uh, Brad and Daniel and I were trying or trying to do. You know, there's a lot of bluegrass acts and things like that, but, but not as many that kind of lean on just the harmonies themselves and the songs themselves. A lot of them were leaning on really expert mandolin player or just a really solid uh, up-tempo bands and things like that. There wasn't as much doing what we're doing where we're just kind of really leaning into uh, the vocals and the harmonies and that's it and sparse and paring it down like that. Can we talk about harmonies? Because I am very curious, how long have you three, because you are literally Philadelphia legends. You guys have been around Philadelphia a long time, played with a variety of bands. The three of you have landed together. And how long have you been really working, the three of you, to develop your harmonic excellence? In some form or another, we've been uh, singing together for 15 years now in various groups. Raph has a project called Hezekiah Jones, where there's some harmonies and we get to work on that. Daniel and I played uh, play bluegrass, and there's opportunity to fine-tune the harmonies there. Uh, it wasn't really until we got together, sat down, uh, and tried to figure out who sings what the best. And we, we changed it up. Every song, someone else sings the melody, and then the other two will find their harmony parts. Like, is it practice? You know, that 10,000 hours, you practice and practice to perfect it. We've made been making noise together for 10,000 hours. You know, has it been Hinton Bauer Jones the whole time? No, no. Several different projects. It all started, for me, it, it started with Hezekiah Jones, which is Raph's band. I was a huge fan of Hezekiah Jones and weaseled my way into the the drumming position of that band and got to for years having loved those songs playing behind Brad and Raph already singing harmonies with Kylie. For me, that was an education. They, they took me to school on harmony singing there. I got to be part of it and watch it at the same time. And I think that really helped when the opportunity came for the three of us to just do what we're doing it made it significantly easier for me than starting at square one. So, I mean, you guys came about because, you know, you kept crossing paths in, in the folk music scene in Philadelphia. Is that fair to say? But I guess the question is, what, what made you think, hey, the three of us, we should form a group? Phil, the bass player of Hezekiah Jones, who is an amazing musician uh, on his own, he plays bass for Get the Let Out, and um, he was releasing a record and he uh, he commissioned us to do Hinton Bauer Jones. We had so much fun and it was so easy. We're like, why not? Let's just do it. And for, for basically for about 10 years, we've been doing it for nothing but fun. Yeah. And then finally in the last year and a half, uh, probably much inspired is the wrong word, but uh, much perpetuated by pandemic we had the opportunity to put a little more energy into the project, a little more time into the project. And uh, we got into the studio a few times and now suddenly we have a, a pile of songs to get mixed and, and share. 
Well, that's interesting. That kind of answers one of the questions that I that I, I had here, and that was that you have an album coming out sometime later this summer or early fall. And I was wondering how much did COVID help the creative process or hinder the creative process? It sounds to me like it actually helped. Absolutely. Very much so. In what way? It just allowed you to, you didn't have to really worry about live performance. You could get yourself in the studio and just stay there and, and get the work done. Is that it? Real quick. I'll, and then I'll let the other guys talk. But for me, it was, it was really simple because it was like, you know, find your pod kind of thing. And like, I I knew I wasn't going to be able to play with the six or seven bands that I work with regularly. And all of them have at least five or six people in them. So it was like, for me, it was, it was, and I don't, I don't want to like, I don't want to be reductive about this. Like it was, it was intentional, but it was also, it was also kind of like fortuitous in that, look, I, I finally have the opportunity to just focus this energy on this little tiny project. It's just three people. It makes yeah. sense for my, my family. I'm not going to a rehearsal with 10 people. I'm going to rehearsal with three people. And it's this project that I've wanted that, that has always been kind of on the, on the wings, on the back burner, because we've always just done it for fun. It's like, finally, here's an opportunity to really like do something. And for me personally, it was like, pick one band that you're going to allow yourself to get together with through this whole thing where we're not allowed to get together with people. Right. It makes a lot of sense, actually. It's, it's, yeah. it's kind of insular, but, but in that sort of that isolation that many of us went through COVID, there were much fewer distractions. So you could really focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. It makes, it makes a lot of sense. I did want to ask, you know, I, I don't want to keep, trying to push this issue of the the folk music scene and whether it's thriving or dying. But I do wonder if, considering how long the three of you have been together and playing together, do you feel a sense of commitment or responsibility to, to sort of carry that mantle of folk music in the Philadelphia area? Or are you just performing because, as you said, it's fun? Yes. (laughs) No, that's fine. And that's why you're not going to burn out, you know? <laughs> I think we would all have three different answers to that. Well, go ahead. What do you think? I mean, it, it, do you go into something? Is there a sense, at least over the long term, that, you know, we have a tradition here that we're trying to carry on? Carry on, yeah. Uh, me personally, I, I and I'm speaking for myself because I know this is different for Dan and Brad. And I think the differences between us are what kind of makes a lot of this work. I don't personally feel a responsibility to carrying the mantle of the music that came before me. It does personally that that's a weight that I personally can't handle. I know Brad and Dan have a different feeling about that. And I love that. And that's what kind of makes things a little different. So songs that I bring tend to bring to the table tend to not be, I try to bring stuff kind of out of the vein of what, you would normally expect uh, from us to do. And whereas they kind of bring stuff that's more of the comfort food from the veins that people would expect. And I think kind of um, having all of that stuff in the pot together is, is kind of, for me, is what makes, makes what we do interesting. So they can come hear songs that they've never heard before, us performing, maybe from friends of ours and stuff like that. Or they can also come hear songs that, oh, wow, I, ha- I love that song. I haven't heard that. That's from 40 years ago and I haven't heard that in forever or, or whatnot. But um, 
I don't know. That's that's kind of my take on it. I definitely enjoy speaking out folk classics and maybe ones that aren't as well known. Working on those yeah. and bringing those to, to people. Like, uh, yeah. you know, we have some Towns Van Zant, Paul Simon. We've been working on a Tom Waits tune. And aside from that, I also, I've seen a lot of our friends and our the bands that we've playing with in the Philly scene kind of disappear a little bit. And so there is a little bit of a fire to keep something going for me. So let's talk about when you come here and you perform. Like you're going to be doing a mix of original stuff and covers, some of the greats, like you say. So interspersed, is there a level of storytelling? And what's live performance mean to you guys to get back to be able to do that? Is that really celebratory for you? I didn't know it was until it gets taken away how much I really enjoyed it. It used to be like stressful for me to kind of like get to the venue, do all this stuff, get everything together. I'm a very, um, I, I tend to be like a very regimented person as far as like getting stuff, needing to be on time, needing things to be this for my brain to feel more relaxed. I kind of need things to all kind of line up in a row. And so uh, I've lost a lot of that. I think through the pandemic where I realized none of that's important to me anymore, like just kind of being on the stage with my friends is really, really means a lot to me. And um, it's nice that I'm starting to remember that again. Amen. So Philly Folk Fest has played, especially early on, has played a strong role in our relationship as, um, you know, the, the place we'd meet every year to to stand around and get sing songs at each other till dawn. And I think that experience, those experiences early on really laid the foundation of our relationship together. Like, yeah. let's, let's just, let's just fucking sing, you know? Together. Yeah. And I, I think that's probably, I mean, you would probably hear that from many of the groups that perform mm-hmm. at uh, the Philly Folk Fest. Yeah. And I also think we should mention Ian, uh, Ian Zolliter, who is, the host of the folk show on WXPN also is a dear friend of ours. We, we play one of, one of his songs and he's, I think he's played a significant role in our development just in his support of us. And to me, he's kind of like validated us because in my mind, this band has always been a pure, pure guilty pleasure. Like it's the band that don't have to take so seriously and stress out over it's just more about the pure enjoyment and love. Like uh, I always tell, I always make the joke. Maybe it's not a joke actually that I'm like, I love this band because I get to be the, I'm like the asshole. Like, like, like these, these two guys are the sweetest sweethearts I've ever known. I try really hard to be a good bandmate in all my bands, but this is the one band where like, I, I'm like, I'm just like trying to, I'm treading water to, to stay nice, you know, cause, and it's just such a, uh, it's such a joy to work, work with these two guys because they're, they're just total love bugs, as you already know. But I think a lot of that comes from that Philly folk that is all about getting together and, and singing songs together. And let me ask you, is there any, any sort of transformative musical experience that, that you had when you were a teenager, 20s or 30s, that, that really kind of set the stage for, you know, a life immersed in music? I think I always assumed that I would be musical in some way. Um, I grew up in a musical family and sung in church. 
was reading the music parts and I would like intentionally switch between the alto and baritone bass. I had two sisters. I remember harmonizing in the car with them on family trips. Uh, my dad taught me to play guitar. My mom and dad still play for the senior center with a little gospel bluegrass band, had a high school band. And so I've just been in bands since I was 14. It's just always something that's been there. Well, listen, uh, guys, thank you so much. You know, I could talk all night with you about music. You guys yeah. are delightful. Thank you so thank much. You we look forward to it. Thank you. See you then. Thank, thank, thank you. you. See you then. See ya. Thank you. So that was really interesting. I am excited about them coming to the Shirt Factory. I agree. June 24th. Especially after that interview. And I found it interesting that they, I don't know about you, but I sort of felt like they were reluctant to sort of take on this mantle of carrying on that great tradition of folk music that came out of uh, the Philadelphia folk scene in the 70s and the 80s. And that's their roots. Mm -hmm. No question. It's their origin story, but they don't want to claim that they're going to carry the mantle on it. Well, I agree, especially now, because I don't think there is much of a folk Americana music scene anymore, mm -hmm. anywhere. Right. And I wonder about that and, and worry about that, or is that just me kind of pining for, you know, the good old days uh, when music was better? And I'm not, I'm only saying that to sort of make fun of myself. I don't know that music was better then. There was something about the importance of folk music, I think, because it, it underscored the social ills and the social changes of its time, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, oh no, no question. And I just think it's evolving. I don't know that it's really going away, and I just don't know enough about it. I'm giving you my level of ignorance on this. I don't know enough about it, but I do know. I just think that night people are going to come, and I just think they're in for a real treat to hear master musicians and voices that just blend so beautifully. And I think speaking of that, I think what we'd like to do is share some of their voices with everybody now as a primer for the 24. Yeah. And I think one of the songs that really kind of highlights their skill, not only, uh, you know, in acoustic guitar playing, but also in their harmonies is the version of Peggy O. We want you to take a listen of the, uh, to that song. I find it to be, you know, really kind of melancholy. But also just, you know, almost hauntingly beautiful. Right. And with Brad as the lead voice on it. And then, of course, everybody else contributes. But I think his voice is just beautiful. Let's, so take a, let's listen. Let's listen. As we rode out to Fenerio. As we rode out to Fenerio. A captain fell in love. Lady like a dove and called her by a name Pretty Peggy O Will you marry me Pretty Peggy O Will you marry me Pretty Peggy O It's very kind of mournful it is. Do these soul full of emotion, full of soul. Do they live on? I mean, well, you know, I think we're, you're doing it. I mean, you're bringing it here to keep it living, to keep it alive. So sure. Yeah. Let's think about it that way. Okay. So there you have it. Mm -hmm. They do a variety of songs. And I think that their vocal harmonies are really, 
really good. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is that they talked about that, you know, when they were immersed in that folk music scene in Philadelphia, that they were sort of bouncing around. They they knew each other, but they'd go in and out of different groups and, and play. It was almost an incredibly creative time, almost cross-pollinating skills and mm-hmm. things like that, until they finally found this mix and they found each other. Through and they, COVID. I mean, yeah. It's, yeah, it's incredible. And I think it's funny, you guys, because we were, Jim and I were going to harmonize for you as to sign off here, but oh God. <laughs> We quickly realized that that wasn't the best way to sign off. No. Yeah. We thought that it would actually be almost like <laughs> we were mocking. A, right. Exactly. Yeah. So and, listen, we're going to see everybody on the 24th. And Jim and I cannot stress enough to you. Please let us know what you're thinking about the podcast. And if there's any type of music that you would like to hear, Jim, you're open to hearing any suggestions that people have, right? Oh, my God. Please, you know, you know email us. Right. LidditsShirtFactory at gmail.com. And let's bring all kinds of interesting music to Lidditz because as we want to try, we want to create our own little hub of music and drinking and just spending time with friends. Say say goodbye, Kim. Kim. Okay. (laughs) Goodbye, Kim. Goodbye, Jim. Bye. And while you're thinking about it, go to where you get your podcasts and subscribe and give us a review. Visit our website, LidditzShirtFactory.com. Join our mailing list and you will get updates, event info, and lots of cool stuff. Follow us on our social media channels, Instagram and Facebook at Lit it Shirt Factory. And don't forget, come have a beer and a bite to eat here at Collusion. Five Juniper Lane, Lit it Shirt Factory, seven days a week. <laughs>